Hi, welcome to the Refuge House broadcast. We are so glad that you decided to join us today. Here at the Refuge House, we help people discover their God-given uniqueness through the teaching of God's word so that they can be empowered to make a difference and impact the world for Christ. So here's what you need to do. We need you to grab your Bible, your notebook, your pens, and then get ready for a powerful message and see what God is going to do. I believe there are people in your life that probably need this message. So go ahead and share this to them and invite them to be a part of what God is doing today. Thank you and enjoy this week's message. Are you thankful this morning? I am thankful. I'm thankful. Thankful. It is you that is worthy. Lord, you that is worthy. It's you that is worthy of our your two hands and tell him, say, Lord, I worship you. It is you that is worthy. No one and nothing can compare to you. Lift your hands and thank him. The Bible says, in all things, give thanks. Open your mind and say, Father, in all things, I give you thanks. Meaning is more than enough. It's more than enough. It's more. God is enough for you to thank. Lift your two hands, everybody. Say, Lord, I give you thanks. Lift your two hands. Say, Lord, I give you thanks. Lift your two hands and be up. Just begin to declare, Lord, I give you praise. I give you thanks. I give you praise. 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 Worship. Offer to you the sacrifice of my praise. That's the fruits of my lips. Auspicious name. You deserve all the praise and the glory and the honor. Blessed be you. Have your way and have your say. In Jesus' name. Ten lepers came to Jesus seeking to be cleansed. And Jesus said to them, So go. Go and show yourself to the priest. The Bible said on their way there, they discovered they were cleansed. Completely cleansed. And out of the ten, only one decided to go back to tell God, thank you. Typical human behavior. When we need something from God, we know where to find him. Is that not true? Come on. Is that not true? Huh? When we need something from God, we know where to find it. But the moment the things are done, we don't know how to go back to say thank you. We assume. We assume. See, one of our daily responsibilities as saints is to offer thanksgiving to Him. Have you said thank you this morning? Or you just assume you will understand? No. 
the Bible says in all things give thanks one of the reasons sometimes we don't thank God is because we're ungrateful we're still focusing on what will yet happen and we're forgetting to tell him thank you for the things he's already done and because of that the enemy is capitalizing on our ingratitude and using it against us setting us up for bitterness offense anger now lift your hands wherever you are this morning say lord i give you thanks lord i give you thanks 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 from the depth of my heart i give you thanks i give you all the praise and the glory Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your excellent greatness. Thank you for watching over your word always concerning our life to perform it. Thank you for your faithfulness that never fails. Thank you for your protection and preservation. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. When you thought you were going to give up and everything was going to go all a while, the faithfulness of the Lord showed up in the midst of your crisis. Lift your hands and bless Him. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me blesses all I will bless the Lord bless the before we hear the word you're going to lift up your hands and say greater one holy spirit i worship you this morning minister to me and fill me afresh have you spoken to the holy ghost this morning have you spoken to your helper this morning lift your two hands 
and talk to the Holy Ghost this morning. Talk to the Holy Ghost. 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 Open your mouth and talk to the Holy Ghost. Zimbri gama mama kosha dere de kosi kabala dalia. Hala la basse kumbre gede 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 boko bobozi agabala. Holy Spirit, we worship. We adore you. We adore you. We adore you. We adore. Ba 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 sumbre gede 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 boko bobozi sumbre gede gede kabala dalia. Bandre gesusi kabala kabala kari ba sumbre gede gede gede. Thank you, precious Father. You deserve all the attention, the energy, our resources, everything. You deserve all. You deserve it all. You deserve it all. And finally, you're going to lift up your two hands and you're going to cast all your cares on the Lord. The Bible says, casting all your cares upon him because he cares. I don't know what's bothering your mind. I don't know what is taking your attention. If there is anything strong enough to shift your focus for a moment from God, that's a care. And it's going to compete with your, your affection and attention to God. So open your mouth and release it right now. The Bible says, casting all your care. He said, take no thought for your life. What is it that is bothering you? Tell him this morning, Lord, I lay them at your feet. Jesus said, come unto me, all you that are labored and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Go on, just release that can say, Lord, I receive by faith rest for my soul this morning. I receive by faith rest for my soul. I receive by faith rest for my soul. Open your mind and say, Lord, I cast on my cares. I don't know what the cares are. Is it financial care? Whatever it is, open your mind and say, I release them to you, precious Father. I release all my cares upon you. I refuse to be worried. To worry is a choice. To worry is a choice. I refuse. Because once you worry, distraction will follow. Open your mind and say, Lord, this morning I give you my undivided, unaltered attention. I release every concern, every concern, every concern, every care. I, I release them to you. I choose to throw them at you. The Bible says, cast your burdens upon the Lord and he will sustain you and you will not be moved. But for they that trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, that cannot be moved. Glory be to your name, Jesus. I hope you're praying. I hope you're praying. I hope you're praying. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for your word this morning. Thank you, precious Father, for your word this morning. Thank you, precious Father, for your word this morning. We will never take you for granted. We will never become casual in our worship and acknowledgement of you. Spirit of the living God, we ask this morning that you will reveal and glorify Christ. Illuminate our understanding. The, the most important aspect of living is knowing you. So we've come to learn of you so we can know you. 
Because we cannot live for you if we don't know you. So we ask that you will open our understanding this morning. Grant us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Let every yoke be destroyed. Let every burden be lifted up. And let Jesus be glorified. And all of God's loving saints offer a good amen to him this morning. Hallelujah. Please have your seat. Amen. All right, some quick announcement before I begin to preach. Um, tomorrow is the 1st of May, which gives us less than, a, uh, less than a month to our forthcoming program. Say amen. amen. Are you excited about the program? Somebody shout glory. If you are expecting an encounter, you will shout. Because shouting is one of the evidence of expectation. Are you expectant? So shout glory. glory. You know, some of you are baby, are baby like all these old men that sit in the village and drinks by wine. That's a, amen. Can you open your mouth and shout glory? You are not shouting to man or for man. May I remind you, you are shouting to the Almighty God, the one who is faithful, the one the Bible declares, if not for the Lord who has been on our side, I wonder where I will be by now. Somebody shout, glory! glory! All right, two and down sort quickly. There will be a weekly outreach. Each week, we're going to be having an outreach from now till the program, the Sunday meeting that is coming. And there are targets area we're targeting. I'm not going to give the details here. One is the coppers. We're going to be targeting our coppers. It came into my heart. I spoke with Pastor Victor. Um, we're going to be targeting them. He made, to made some inquiry yesterday. And I'm going to be having a meeting with the team for that. They'll be going during their CDs to reach out to them. There were some other additional details that while I was praying this morning that came into my heart, I will share with them. Also, we're going to be having a community outreach. We have put up our sound system in the evening once every week. We'll choose it preferably a weekend. Um, I think uh, either Friday or Saturday we'll announce that where they will go with handbills at different sections of this area and they'll put it the messages will be playing and all that and we'll be giving out ambils for that praise the lord i think either uh, either friday or saturday evening to be mostly saturday so that um, those who are not in the choir can be part of that amen all right it's it's important let me say this what um I was meditating something in my heart that the reason we are born again is to go out and reconcile men back to God. The purpose of your salvation is not your comfort. Your comfort is an attachment in your salvation. It is not the reason for your salvation. See, God is a responsible father. Are you hearing me? Say my heavenly father is a responsible father. The Bible says that the prosperity of his servant is his delight. 
and that if they serve me and obey me, they will spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasure. Job 36, 11. So your, your prosperity and your comfort is factored into your salvation. It is not the reason you are saved. It is, many people have made their comfort the reason for their salvation. So if certain challenges affect them on a personal scale, they shut down on God. No, the reason we got born again is so that others will find God through our life. The Bible says God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself and has given to us, the believers, the ministry of what? Reconciliation. So we live, whoever you are, whether you are working as a doctor, an accountant, you're working as an engineer, whatever you are doing, if it is not adding value to the gospel, then that means you are by jack what God has blessed you with. You are spending it on yourself, on your comfort. Whatever you are, whatever you have is to advance the gospel. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That, that's why you are where you are. That's why God blessed you with that job opportunity. That's why God placed you where you are. The moment you forget it and you get all personal and you are all concerned about your comfort, your family, your personal interests, your school fees, your rent, that's all you think about, then you're missing the point. You're trying to redefine scripture and redefine the reason why God saved you and brought you to himself. And so, reaching people should be a delight for you. Are you hearing me? Reaching people should be a delight for you. Because it's one of the reasons why you are saved. Inviting people to church and preaching the gospel is what we are saved for. That's why we don't need a pulpit and we don't need a title to preach. The moment you're born again, Jesus has anointed you and commissioned you to pray. And by the way, to be a preacher doesn't mean you have to be a pastor or, you know, an evangelist or a, an apostle or a prophet. This wrong mindset that we've acquired needs to change. Many people think that you need a pulpit and a microphone standing in front of the people to preach. No, you don't. You don't. If you're not called to that, you don't. You don't have to have a title to preach. Wherever you go, he said, go ye into all the world and do what? And preach the gospel to every creature. So wherever you go, whether in school, wherever you're on the street, preach the gospel. That's where we were born again. That's why God saved us. So we'll be using, having um, Corpus Outreach. The following names, you should wait behind and see me. Um, Pastor Victor, We've heard the team. Uh, Deacon Timothy will also be there, will be an assistant. Deacon Timothy and Ebenezer will head the team, outreach team. Then King David, um, Rex, Samson, Chinedu, Michael, and those are the names I called. Then the second level of participation are volunteers. If you want to be part of the outreach team, because they'll, be, they'll go with cars, Reach the, the, the coppers usually have a CD every week. So they'll find out what the days are. They'll take our handbills there, take our messages there, and just be a blessing. Invite them for the meeting each week. Each week till the program comes up. Hallelujah. Now, you can volunteer to be part of it. If I don't call your name, these are people that will, hear, will lead the team or will be at the forefront. So they have to make the necessary sacrifice for that. Amen. All right, 
Now, to this effect, I would like to have a meeting with them immediately after second service. All right. Then number two, let me say this. There is a need. Everybody listen, listen to me. I don't have to preach this. We preach it every time. There's a need for every member of the house to be committed. And to, for you to be committed in the church is not just be a member of the church. You need to be active and available. Serve God in the house of God. When I look at Dick Timothy, Dick Timothy is one of the fruits of my evangelism in the 80s. I went to preach with someone. I think it was Remo. He's a pastor now in worry. And we saw him minister. He got born again. And ever since then, he's been serving God and following me. When I look at his life, he's an example. Many of you will know he's always here. He's among all the faithful. A pastor from Pastor Victor. He's one of the oldest and closest to me. When the church began, before I met mommy or any of you here, he was there. He was one of the first members of the church. Himself, Paris, and some few other people were six then. And he's always been there. And, and if you look at his life, um, the sacrifice of the gospel always speaks. And you know the benefit about service? When you serve God genuinely, he'll say to you. That's one thing many of you don't know, especially young people. I came to this time years ago when God sent me here. I didn't have anything. It was tough for about a year or two. No job. You have to believe God to eat food. And, and one of the mistakes you make when you're rising up as a young person is to put God by the side and try to figure yourself out. How can you figure yourself out when it's God who gave you yourself? You need to find how to serve God sacrificially. One of the testimonies shared, you, you've seen the car right? My own, I'm, my own is an example. I've only bought one car in my life. Everything I've had is the proceed of genuine service and commitment to God. When he got the car and he brought it to my house, I saw I was shocked. And the value for the car, if you go and buy it now, is about four point something million. But he got it for less than 20%. That's what they call reward of service. So I, I challenge every one of you. You don't need anybody to tell you. Initiative is a personal thing. Do you understand that? Did you hear what I said? I can't borrow you my initiative. I can't borrow you my mind. Or, or let me rephrase it. Interest is a personal thing. I can't borrow you my interest. I can't make you interesting or interested like me. I can only be interested for myself. In the house of God, we can encourage you, but we cannot give you interest. You have to find that for you. You have to make up your mind to be interested and committed to what God is doing. Hallelujah. Okay. Are we ready for the word? I didn't hear you. Are you ready for the word? Are you sure? For those who are ready, are you ready for the word? All right. How many of you saw the sermon note yesterday? You saw it? Did you read it? How many of you read it? I will keep asking it on this Sunday. So if you're not doing that, you know that there's something you're supposed to be doing, you're not doing. How many, raise your hand if you saw the sermon note. Very good. You saw the sermon note on WhatsApp. Michael, raise your head. Let me see it. How many of you saw the sermon note? Raise your hand. The sermon note on WhatsApp. How many of you? Okay, put it down. How many of you read it? Yes, that's how some of you are bending your head. The word is your spiritual food. I'm, I'm sure many of you ate from yesterday evening. Some of you even eat before you come to church. I don't do that so I can preach well without disturbance. I've been doing that for years. 
but, but the word of God is your spiritual food. And, and if you don't discipline yourself to feed spiritually, it will affect you and it will show in your faith and in your life. Some of us, our word, interest, and diet is very weak. Anyway, that's your, that's your thing. I can't eat for you. Okay. Um, we've been looking at a very uh, important aspect in our message on getting back into the ways of the Spirit, which is very important, about living a Spirit-empowered life. And we said there are two things that will prevent a Christian or a believer from living the Spirit-empowered life. One, ignorance. The next one is what? Unbelief. And we said that spiritual slumber is a form of unbelief. Is that not true? Is that not true? Okay, for those who are following, they know. Spiritual slumber is a form of unbelief. And what spiritual slumber does is to make you slothful. Everybody says slothful. What do, what's the purpose of spiritual slumber? To make the believer slothful. Now, remember, spiritual slumber is not a spirit. Spiritual slumber is a mindset. What is it? It's a way, and when we say something is a mindset, it means it's a way of thinking. You are a product of what you think and how you think. Look at your neighbor, say you're a product of what you think. Can I, everybody look at me. I want, I want to see your face. Everybody look at me. Look at me. Do you know that you only hear how you think? Do you know that? I don't think you get what I said. I said you only hear how you think. As I'm talking now, many of you are listening to me. You're hearing me. But what you're actually hearing is how you think. How you think determines how you listen. Write it down. How you think determines how you listen. How you think. That's why everybody can hear the same thing, but not everybody will respond the same way. You will be shocked that I said something and I said, Everybody come and repeat what I said. You'll be, you, you, you'll be shocked to realize you will have different version of one thing that I said. You know the reason why? Because what we, how we think determines how we hear. And God challenges us from time to time to be very interested and to monitor how we think. The Bible said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, in verse 4, it says the weapons of our warfare are not what? Cannot. So that means in this warfare, how you think is very important because how you think is a fight. How you think is a fight. It said uh, the weapons of our warfare are not cannot. They are mighty through God for the pulling down of what? Strongholds. What are strongholds? It says Casting down imagination. What is imagination? It's from the Greek word where we get the word logic. Logic is a way of thinking. And you acquire the way you think. You acquire it by the things you expose yourself to. How many of you have noticed that if you have a particular set of friends, it's only a matter of time you will start to talk like them. Have you noticed? 
you will start to use their language or their slang will be coming out of their mouth. Why? Because evil communication corrupts good manner. Very soon you will begin to tell their jokes. You will begin to crack their jokes. You will begin to play their games. That's why you need to be very careful. The Bible says, He that walketh with the wise shall be wise, and a companion of fools shall be destroyed. There's an old Chinese proverb. He said, tell me your friends and I'll tell you your future. Because you are a product of the influences you expose yourself to. You decide what influence that plays in your life by the things you choose to expose yourself to. If you expose yourself to fashion, over a period, you will pick up a fashion sense. Are you hearing me? You will begin to come up with your own styling. Because what you've exposed yourself has framed the way you think in an area and you will come up with your own. So when people bring clothes to you, the way you dress will be as a result of how you have chosen to think about fashion. So how you hear is what determines how you listen. It also determines the things you receive. That's why you can be talking to some people and they will not listen to you. Are you listening to what I'm saying? In order for, that's what the Bible says, be not confirmed to this world. Why? Because the system of the world has a way of thinking. And if the system of the world affects the way you think, you will resist God. When God's will is being revealed to you, you will fight it because you've adopted a way of thinking that doesn't put priority on spiritual things, but you put priority on carnal things. Hallelujah. And Satan understands that power very well. When God told Adam and Eve, don't eat of the tree. The day you eat of it, you will die. Is that not true? That's all they knew. And that's what they functioned by. But Satan came one day, why discussing with Eve, which was not supposed to be in the first place? Because what you expose yourself to will eventually influence the way you think. Have you seen some people that used to be excited about God, used to be passionate about praying, reading the word, coming to church, then they now hang around some group of people that don't go to church, group of people that don't pray, group of people that don't read their Bible. It's only a matter of time they'll begin to act the same way. That's the truth. That's the way it works. They'll start acting, talking the same thing because the same influence can affect them. So as Eve began to discuss and chat with, with Satan, Satan asked him, um, what did God tell you to do? Satan said, we shouldn't eat of any tree in the tree except that one. That the day we eat of it, we'll die. Oh, no, 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 no. You will not die. Really? He said, yes. Why? He said, because God knows that the day you eat of it, you will be like him. And you will know the difference between good and evil. Interesting. It's a thought. It's a suggestion. Satan is a master at making... Are you paying attention, everybody? Please, can you look at me? I want you to look at me. Satan is a master at making suggestions. And you and I are given suggestions every day. You will get suggestions from the news. You will get suggestions from the marketplace. You will get suggestions on the taxi. You will get suggestions from the office. You will sit in the office one day. Somebody will be talking about God. Or be talking about people going to church. Say, don't mind all this person. They are thieves. If you don't know the truth, before you realize it, it won't take long. You too will start calling me a thief. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But you will not know Satan is hiding behind what that person is saying, looking for minds that are not guarded with the truth. 
So he can plant things in your mind. Then all of a sudden, you come to church, you start struggling. Say, the reason they tell you to give is so that the pastor can eat your money. That all these pastors, they are thieves. Or somebody who can just put something in your mind, say, in church, you know, you know I, I like church where we all just praise and celebrate and just do, yeah, glory to God. But preaching, we don't like all this preaching thing. It doesn't get to me. I like the praise. My, it was my daughter was telling me, he was having a chat with some young people, and he said, what part of the service do you like? He said, he said I like the praise and worship service. She said, no, 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 that's wrong. The praise and worship is just preparation for the main deal, and which is the word of God. He said, no, 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 no. And, and do you know there are many young people that are growing like that? They are looking for church that will give them some OP hype. So when you go with her, hey, hey, yo, yo, come on, raise your hand there. Everybody say, raise your hand there. Everybody say, hey, hey. Then when we do all that and we finish, it's good, though. Once it's finished and it's time for the word, they shut down. They go outside and start chatting. They can even be chatting while they're in church. Why? Because they've adopted a mindset that the enemy has secretly sown in them. And so they're not receiving God's best for their life anymore. They've put a limit on what they can tap. And so Satan said to Eve, God is lying. It was a suggestion. She had the choice to reject it. But guess what she did? The moment Satan suggested, the Bible said he left him, left her. And she, the Bible used a very interesting word. He said, and when she saw, the word when she saw means she began to reason the suggestion that Satan gave. And may I warn you, hello, may I warn you, the moment your mind begins to romance the thoughts of the enemy, Satan's thoughts are loaded and laced with poisons of unbelief. Once your mind begins to fellowship with it, before you know it, it will pollute your mind. And guess what? The very thing you used to believe, you'll begin to reject it. Do you understand that? That's how unbelief works. And that's what spiritual slumber does. It's a mentality that wants to attack your spirit life. The devil knows that when we walk in the spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And when we walk in the spirit, we'll walk in grace and we'll walk in power. And so what do I need to do to stop them? Sell them a lie that prevents them from living the spirit-empowered life. And so instead of walking in the power of God, they walk in the flesh. They become victims rather than victors. Instead of walking as common and conquerors, they're afraid of the devil, they're afraid of witchcraft. They're afraid of people who want to kill them. If somebody tells them in their office that they are a witch, they will make sure they never go near that person. You know, there are people like that in the office. Say, look, may I want one of them? I'll be with you. I'll be wizard. And they keep people. Do you know that some Christians, once they hear that, they will not greet that person again. They won't they'll just avoid you like a plague. Say, ah, this one, I want you. They keep person. And yet you are born again. You are the light of the world. Is that not true? Huh? Can, can darkness beat light? No. But because your mentality has been affected by spiritual slumber, you are gradually resisting who you are. That was why, that's why we said spiritual slumber is a mindset that wants you to be slothful. And when you are slothful, it means you're lazy. You're laid back. And two things, we said there are two characteristics, or two consequences, not characteristic, 
two consequences of slothfulness. What is the first one? Exposure to what? Sorry? Exposure to what? You don't read your notes. If you are a Christian and you are slothful, the first thing that will happen to you, you become exposed to demonic oppression and manipulation. Have you seen Christians as if they don't have their mind? Something else is running their mind and their life. They are under curses. They are under satanic influences. Remote, they are Christians that have been remoted demonically. Why? Because they have begun to sleep spiritually. And the second consequence of spiritual slumber is that you stop operating as what? A new creation. We said that last Wednesday, Sunday. The Bible said if any man be in Christ, what is he? It's a new creation. We, we talked about that extensively on Sunday. And we said as a new creation in Christ, there are some realities you've been born into. Number one, you are a new person with no past. It's there. It's in the sermon note again in case you care to read it. You are a born overcomer, which means as a new creation, there should be no excuse in your life. Jesus ended every excuse. No excuse. Why? Why? Because whatsoever is born of God, what does he do? I didn't hear you. Whatsoever is born of God, what does he do? Somebody shout, overcomes the world. And he says, what is the victory that overcomes the world? Our faith. And in verse 5, he said, who is it that overcomes the world? He who believes in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So I am an, I am an overcomer because I'm born of God. I've been born into a new life, a life of victory. We call it a life of celebrating the victory of Christ. There are no down days. There are no up and down days. It's only up, up, up days. Somebody say amen. We are born to be the head and not the tail. We are born to be above only and not beneath. If you are still giving excuses, it's because you are not living and operating as a new creation in Christ. Another reality of the new creation in Christ, which we said, is that you are the dwelling place of God. Hey, hey, look at your number. Say God lives inside you. In our Bible reading, I don't know if you are following it, because for some of us it's a warfare. Reading your Bible is a warfare for some of us. Because Satan will make sure you don't read your Bible. I, I made a post last week. I said, Satan benefits from our lack of spiritual development. He knows that if you don't grow spiritually, it is easy for him to manipulate you. Very easy. He will just put one lie and he will throw you off balance. So it's a struggle. But I was reading the book of Ezekiel yesterday in our Bible reading. There was something I saw that God revealed to the prophets about the temple. When God showed them a vision to measure the dimensions of the temple, then there was something God said about the temple when he told him to measure out where the holies of holies is. And God said, he said, this place is the place of my sanctuary. And this place is where my two feet, that's what God said, my two feet will touch. The first one, that the place of my sanctuary, which is the place of my throne, and the place where my two feet will stand forever. Then I compared it to 1 Corinthians 3. What the Bible said, do you not know that 
you are the temple of God, which means I am God's throne. Oh, you didn't hear what I said. A throne is where decisions are made. Hey, so the throne of grace lives inside me. Where does it live? When it says, come to the throne of grace, you are, the, you are that place where the throne lives. He lives on the inside of you. So the, the one who takes the decision over the affairs of the head lives on the inside of you. God has shifted his residency from, from buildings to people. So when we come here, the reason we are hallowed or holy is because we who carry God are here. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So say with me, say God lives on the inside of me. Now, why does God dwell in me? For sure, no. He dwells in me to reveal himself. If the source of strength lives in me, why do I act as if God has abandoned me? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Why do I behave as if God is not there? It's because the devil is trying to make you understand that God sits very far, somewhere in the sky. So when, that's why when you pray. When we lift up our hands and worship, we're not saying he's somewhere there. No, he lives inside me. Lift your two and say, Father, thank you for living on the inside of me. Oh, say, thank you for dwelling in me. And, and, and also we said finally that as a new creation, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. What does that mean? It simply means that God has given you his nature and has given you what is called a standing. You can stand before the presence of God without any sense of guilt and condemnation. The Bible says in Ephesians 2 verse 18 and Ephesians 3 verse 2 that God has given us admission or access with boldness into his presence. Say with me, say I can come into his presence because I carry his presence. Say I can come into his presence because I carry his presence. So if somebody comes and says, I'm a witch, you will smile say, oh, say your day of salvation has come. Why will you talk like that? Because God, God, God lives there. You know and you know and you know he lives there. That you are delighted that that witch needs. Say amen. This generation of people who don't, when you, when they say, we are not good and Ghana, we the key person who that's why you are there. That's why you are the solution to that crisis. Say good amen. It's time to begin to function as new creation. There are people, some of you, your colleagues will tell you, I have a day, say go, say go clinic. Why not lay hand? Look at your neighbor, say lay hand. Say, say, Eddie, they pay me, say, say, you don't go clinic. Is going to a clinic wrong? No, but can you lay your hand? Uh, my son came to the room one day and uh, he was doing some chores. Abigail, was, they were talking with me. Then he said, ah! I said, what is it? He said, I, I just felt this sharp pain on my waist. I said, did you lift something? He said, maybe it was the way I pulled the generator. Ah, ah! I said, okay, you know what? Lie down. I said, first of all, I said, I, I said lay your hand there. I said, you foul pain. Get out. Now! I said, lie down on your feet. So she laid down. I took his two legs up, shook it, moved it. I said, get up. I said, it's gone. That's how it goes. That's how you react to anything that does not agree with your redemption status. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When, when you operate as a new creation, what it means is anything that does not agree 
with what Christ has done for you, you reject it. Don't say, I don't have money. Say, he supplies all my needs according to what? His riches in glory. Don't come to church carrying your face. Say, I'm not sure. Say, the Bible says, he that um, watches over his He said, will not suffer the righteous to what? To do what? To hunger or his seed begging for bread. That's who God is. But when you are always speaking your circumstance, it means you are not operating with who you are. Let me say one more thing, then we'll go to where we're going this morning. Because we're going to talk about how to overcome this unbelief of spiritual slumber. Go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Verse 22 to verse 25. Just read, say one or two things. We'll start looking at how to overcome spiritual slumber. Quickly, James chapter 1 from verse 22 to verse 24, 25. James chapter 1, verse 22 to 25. He said, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Why? Deceiving yourself. Everybody, can we read it together again? But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving. How many of you know deception, deception is a bad, but very is a terrible thing? And I'm very sure none of us want to be deceived. Have you ever been deceived before? I have on several occasions. Has anybody deceived you before? Now, usually when you are being deceived, you don't know that you are being deceived. It's usually after it has been done to you. Ah, in deceive me. Has somebody ever come to you and to behave as if he doesn't have money, only for you to find out that he had money and he just wanted to collect something for you? Has that happened to you before? Plenty of times. So we don't like deception. We don't. We don't like deception. But the worst form of deception is to deceive yourself. The Bible says if you hear God's word and you don't do what the word says, what are you doing? You're deceiving yourself. And there are many like that in the church. They hear the word, but they have no plan to do what the word says. And if you do that, the Bible says you are deceiving yourself. You are a new creation in Christ, but if you don't act that way, you are deceiving yourself. Go to the next verse. What did he say next? He says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, are you paying attention? And not a doer, he is what? He is like a man observing his natural face you can relate with that picture some of you looked at the mirror this morning before you came to church all right that's why you're looking beautiful go to the next one he says for he observes himself goes away and what what happens he immediately come on everybody say that now. and immediately what Who is the Bible describing here? The one who forgets and does not do what the word says. Is that not so? If you are a hearer and not a doer of the word, if you don't do what you hear, the Bible uses a description that you are like someone who looks at the mirror, you see yourself, and the moment you walk away, you forget it. So we, we can pick a truth from there that one of the reasons we don't do the word is because we don't, we don't have any plan to do it. 
We're just like I'm telling now, oh, we're a new creation. Very powerful. It's exciting. Wow. So I'm a new creation in Christ. Then the moment church closes, you forget. At the first situation that shows up, you don't react. And somebody's trying to tell you, or frustration is trying to come, anxiety is trying to come, or a challenge is trying to come that's trying to change your confession. Instead of you to remember, I'm a new creation in Christ. I don't talk like this. I don't act like this. I will say what God has said in his word rather than what the situation is trying to get me to say. And instead of you to say what God has said, you say what the situation says. You are like a man who looked at himself in the mirror and forgot what he or she looks like. Go to the next verse. He said, but he, but he said, he who, is not describing the one who does the word. He who looks into the perfect law of liberty. The Bible describes this scripture as a perfect, complete law of liberty and continues it. And it's not what? A forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. Hold on there. We'll be blessed. So we know that in Ephesians 1, 3, the Bible says we are already blessed in Christ. Is that not true? Is that not true? But here he's saying we will be blessed. What is he talking about? You see, the blessing in Ephesians 1, 3 is the blessing of your position in Christ. Because you are born again and you are in Christ, you are blessed by reason of your union with him. Are you listening to what I'm saying? But that's called positional blessing. That positional blessing only becomes operational or starts to affect you when you start doing what the word says. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Let me put, quickly put it this way before we go. How many of you know the Bible says we are rich? You know the Bible said that now. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9. For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, even though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor, that we through his poverty might be made rich. So I ask you a question. Does the scripture say we are rich? Yes, it says so, because Jesus made us so. But guess what? Not all Christians are manifesting that rich. There are many Christians that are, that are manifesting broke. They are manifesting poverty. Now, the fact that they are manifesting poverty, is it because they are not blessed to be rich? They are blessed. When God looks at them in the midst of that poverty situation, he sees them as blessed. Blessed or made rich in Christ. But until you begin to walk in your blessing, doing what the word says, that blessing will not speak in your life. Did you get it? Yeah, that's how it works. You want to be blessed with what you are blessed with, do what it says. Did you hear what I said? You want to be blessed with what you are blessed with, what, are you, what do you do? Do what it says. The Bible says give and it shall be what? It shall be given to you. It's one of the requirements of prosperity. You're not giving because you are trying to bribe God or earn the favor of God. It's the practice of faith. It delivers you from selfishness. That's what the Bible says. He that soweth spirally shall reap spirally. He that soweth bountifully shall reap what? But for as a man proposes in his heart, so let him give. Giving is part of the economics of heaven. Forget about the lies that Satan is spreading all over the place because Satan wants people to remain broke. So he won't want you to practice what God says. 
He wants to sell you a narrative that keeps you broke. Tell you that pastors are stealing your money. It's not always true. Because I don't, I don't steal your money. I don't. When I say it anyway, I say it very well. This church has never paid my rent. Not once. The church is about 23 years old now. 22, 23 years. Not because I don't have the power as president and founder. But I just choose not to. Well, we paid rent for, for other pastors we've had and members of the church we've had. But I've not. So you can't tell me I'm stealing your money. There was one time I, I called some people and I was sowing seed to several people. I do that. Why do I do that? Because as a Christian, it's part of my responsibility to give. I don't give because I'm a pastor. I give because I'm a believer. It's the last time you've been called. Some of you, the reason why certain things will not go away, you are stingy. Look at your neighbor say, are you stingy? Very stingy. You always look broke. Talk broke. You see, in your mind, you don't see yourself as prosperous. No. Bro, you're always a victim in your mindset. You're a financial victim. Everything is very hard. Get as you be. You forget that your condition is sponsored by your mentality. Write it down. Your condition is what? Any condition that wants to show up in your life will first seek permission from your mind. Once your mind accepts it, you're going nowhere. I went to the gym to do some weight after I left here, after prayers yesterday. And I was chatting with a woman and one of the gym instructors. They were looking at me and said, tell us your story. How did you do it? I said, well, I just practiced. But one of the things I will tell you is that if you want to make this thing work, that your mind must be ready. That your body will only go where your mind goes. Anything you are struggling with, your mind has not registered it yet. Because the control center for the activities of your body begins with your mind. Anything you are struggling to do is in your mind. For instance, I said lateness is not the kingdom virtue. You are late because in your mind, you have not decided to be early. The day you make up your mind to be early, you stop being late. Did you hear what I said? So poverty will first of all corrupt your mind and sell you some lies. And tell you, don't mind all those pastors about giving and sowing. is a lie. They're just trying to extort you. Don't do anything about it. Then you will take it. Once you do that, I know the thing about God. God is so loving. The Holy Ghost will never force you to do anything you don't want to do. It is the consequences of not doing what you are supposed to do that will begin to show up in your life. Come on, shout. Say, I'm a new creation in Christ. Come on, say, I'm a new creation in Christ. Say, I'm a new creation in Christ. Say, I choose to think new creation. Say that. Say, I choose to think new creation. Say, I choose to act new creation. I function accordingly. I remember I told you that your advantage and authority over Satan is functioning as a new creation in Christ. Now, let me say this. The, to claim we know who we are and not operate accordingly is deceiving ourselves. To hear the word about who we are as new creation and not operate accordingly is like someone looking into the mirror. He see, sees who, is, uh, who he is or who she is as a new creation, goes away, immediately forgets, and begins to act something else. The believer who looks into the word of, of God 
or the mirror of the world and acts accordingly, we be blessed in what he or she does. Hear this. The enemy is only helpless and powerless to who we are in Christ. I'm going to say that again. The enemy is only helpless and powerless to who we are in Christ. The enemy is only what? Helpless and powerless to who we are in Christ. Can I say this to you? Let new creation become your mood. What did I say? I didn't hear you. That means get excited. Let your emotions submit to who you are as new creation. Stop with the strong face. Stop with the moody looking. It, you're, you're mirroring something else. You are a new creation. You are a portrait of victory and joy. I don't think you understand what I just said. Because if you did, you would shout. You are a picture of peace. Because you reflect God. You are a picture of victory. Because that's who you are. You are a picture of joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You, you cannot afford to look all muddied up. You can't. My children, they can spot when my face changes. That are you all right? It's not like you. Maybe I'm processing something and probably should not. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm fine. Hallelujah. I'm fine. Because the joy of the Lord must be maintained in the home. Amen. Amen. The joy atmosphere must be kept in your life. Glory be to God. Don't let any other thing redefine you. This carrying face and boning and scaring everybody as if like a Dracula is demonic. It's not from Jesus. You are a portrait of victory. When people see you, they should want to come close to you. I say, what's this thing about you? There's something about your life that is magnetic. And they want to come and find out your story and find out who you are. And you tell them, I'm a new creation in Christ. Glory be to God. I'm a new creation. I'm a son of God. What you're seeing is God speaking through my life. That's who you are. Somebody say amen. amen. Somebody say amen. amen. Hear me and hear me. The enemy is only helpless and powerless to who we are in Christ. Because Christ defeated him, stripped him of all authority, and gave us the authority over Satan and the works of darkness through the use of the name of Jesus. Let me read some scriptures and I'll begin to introduce that. Go to Acts chapter 19, one verse, verse 15. Just to tell us the advantage and authority that we have through Christ. Acts 19, verse 15. You need to be very fast. The Bible says, and the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know. Roland, I know. Hey, I don't know. Put your name there. If you don't have a name, come my own. Jesus, I know. Roland, I know, but who are you? These guys weren't born again, so they didn't have the legal ground to tell a demon to leave the place. The only group of people at the ecclesia, those who are born again, those who are new creation, they are the ones Satan recognizes. Why? Because as they are, so is Christ. Are you understanding what I'm saying? As he is, so are we. We are his righteousness revealed in the earth. The day you got born again, you became Jesus in the earth. You became Christ manifested in the earth. God had to become a man so that we can become like him. And the new creation is, a, is the miracle of the incarnation. 
Jesus came to make men like God. And the new creation is the harvest of that, that, that fruit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We are like him. So when the demon looks at you, he can't tell the difference between you and Jesus. Are you hearing me? When you say, come out, it's Jesus he sees. But when you begin to walk in the flesh, you, you are shifting ground. Are you hearing me? You are doing what? You're shifting. That's why he wants you to walk in offense. He wants you to walk angry. He wants you to walk, you know, walk in the flesh. So because when you walk in the flesh, then he can recognize where to strike. But when you stay in your place, tell your neighbor, say, stay in your place. Oh, it doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter what anybody says. It doesn't matter what is happening around you. Stay in your place. Stay in your place in your mind. Stay in your place in your words. Stay in your place in your sight. Stay in your place in your action. Don't move a muscle. Don't move an ease. Stand your ground. That's who you are. He has no reply for who you are. He says, Jesus, I know, and I also know you. But do you know that the devil knows you? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Eh? Do you know that the devil knows you? Because the day you know, let me tell you one thing that will change. Your dreams will change. What did I say? Say my dreams will change. There are two levels of dreams. The one you see in the night, and the one you can sit down and you just see a flash of picture. All this, your dream of sort will pinch you in the back. What kind of child? What kind of useless dream? We'll stop. Nobody will be pinching you in the night anymore. So I said, I said, somebody, you give me one kind of dirty slap. How do you know the slap is dirty? So when he slapped me, I hear, oh. <laughs> I've heard some kind of funny, funny things. It's because you don't know who you are. If you know who you are, sit down, will not even, it won't cross your mind for him to come and give you a slap. Hallelujah. Amen. Matthew 28, 18. The Bible says, and Jesus came and spoke to them and said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. That means I am the ultimate authority in the heavens and the earth. And brothers and sisters, we have that authority. Say, I have the authority of Christ. The Bible said he has given him a name that is what? Above every other name. I hope you know this is no rhymes. This is our reality. A name that is above every other name. That are the name every knee shall Whether it's the name of a person, demon, situation, circumstance, it shall bow. Names of sickness will bow. Names of disease will bow. Whatever the name is, and every tongue will come. Thank you for joining us today. Your generosity helps us to take this message to the ends of the earth. You can give on our website at www.therefugehc.org. So go ahead and click on the link in the description. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this.